My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, ooh, guys, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So... So then how that connects to the work that I do now as a macro social worker, primarily dealing in economic development, business and entrepreneurship, when you think about what business is, basic principle is how do we get people to spend money based on their behaviors and things like that? That's identical to social work, right? Welcome back to another episode of Tiny Giants, the creator economy show where the focus is on careers over celebrity. I am your host, T. Adeola, your favorite former 400 pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. So the voice you just heard was of today's guest, Kiana M. Daniels, who is a macro social worker and pop quiz. And don't lie to me. How many of y'all knew what a macro social worker is and what they do? Hmm? Are you one of the enlightened ones who been new or are you like most of us and you're today years old? And this one was especially illuminating for me because I'd actually known Key for a while now, but I had no idea of the depth of her expertise and how she sat at the intersection of social work, entrepreneurship and economic development. So this is going to be a real special one that I'm ecstatic to share with you. Kiana M. Daniels is a serial entrepreneur, change agent, super connector, ecosystem builder, and servant leader in her communities. She is also a social worker with an emphasis on social and economic development, entrepreneurial ecosystem building, convening and connecting, creative, engaging, and inclusive facilitation. She has a strong commitment to entrepreneurship and innovation, diversity, equity, and inclusion, providing equal access to opportunity and curating safe spaces. She empowers people to live their best lives by taking risks based on faith and to live on purpose with intention to execute with excellence. She's adopted the practice of learning the lesson in every situation, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. And as a result, she's made faith over fear a lifestyle from the way she thinks to the risk she takes, both personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's hop into our conversation with tiny giant Kiana Daniels. Key, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, T. My pleasure. So 
The whole premise of this show is that you get big by going small, right? Don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to be all things to all people. Pick a lane and then dominate that space, which you have unquestionably done. So tell us that story. Take us on that journey, right? Because in theory, you could have been anything, right? If we go back to your you know, third grade class and they ask you what you want to be when you grow up, you could have been the president. You could have, you know, drove a, um, you know, drove a race car. You could have done whatever you wanted to be. But obviously you landed where you landed. So tell us that story. Take us on that journey. How did you pick the space that you wanted to own? Uh, great question, first and foremost. Um, and I love the concept of going small to go big. And how that translates for me is that that's really just getting focused and clear. And so I don't think I chose my journey. My journey chose me. And what I'm doing chose me. Um, it is my lived experiences, both professionally and personally, that led me to where I am today, quite honestly. What I wanted to be when I, when I was younger is not who I am today. And I'm ex- absolutely okay with that. Funny story. <laughs> This is really a funny story. I, I laugh about this with my family. When I was a kid, I used to love cleaning, love cleaning. I'm a very tidy person. Um, and, and I just and I think I loved cleaning because it was it was a release. It was a it was a therapeutic practice. And so when I was younger, I'm glad I'm not what I said I wanted to be. I said I, my little young mind who did not have all the knowledge at that time, I was probably like six seven. I said I wanted to be a maid. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right. And then I said that it wasn't a maid that I wanted to be. It was, I wanted to own my own cleaning service. Right. So you think about that is entrepreneurship. At the end of the day, I am an entrepreneur. So in some aspect, I am what I wanted to be. However, um, as I journeyed through life and got older, got more exposed to social settings and community settings and volunteerism as a result of my mother being who she is. She was very well connected in the community. She was a community activist, community developer. And, did, and she brought us to a lot of meetings. I got exposed to those things. And then as we got older in elementary, middle school and high school, we got really connected in the like NAACP Youth Council, End Zone Club, that was college preparatory. So, you know, all of these communal things giving us leadership opportunities and networking and understanding what the needs of our community was. And my mom also being a counselor and social worker, if you will, and working in nonprofits, that exposed me first and foremost to the work that I'm doing now. So you could say that the apple didn't fall far from the tree because in a lot of ways I am continuing the the path and in, in the trail that my mom blazed, but in a very different way, in my own way. Um, and it was never intentional to do what she did. But I think by way of her being a single mother primarily and taking my siblings and I to those community meetings and being exposed to the conversations, to the thought leadership and partnership and to seeing Black people in leadership and at a communal level strategize and innovate and plan for bettering our community, revitalizing our community. A lot of what I'm doing today, those seeds were planted in those meetings, you know, us running around, not really paying attention intentionally, but kind of here in the meetings. And and, and I think those seeds being planted at, uh, as a way 
as a way of us just being there. So what I do today, I'm an economic development strategist. I'm a macro social worker, essentially. So what macro social work is, is it's it's the high level policy, economic development type things, business, entrepreneurship, uh, the economic impact of social um, justice instead of, you know, doing therapy and counseling. So that's high level what I do. And more specifically, what that looks like is I do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and small businesses, specifically and especially for black and brown businesses, and even more so, especially for African American businesses. I love to create programs and curriculums that are culturally competent and inclusive um, to eliminate ultimately the the wealth gap and to create opportunities for economic mobility and to create spaces for people who look like me at tables and not only to be at those tables, but to have voices at those tables um, and to advocate for us, right? You know, I have been very privileged. I'll be honest about that. I've been very privileged um, academically. Uh, professionally. And again, because of the connections in the network that my mom created and just kind of being her child and being exposed to that, I had access to that, but then had to go and create those and cultivate my own relationships. Right. And so being exposed to so many amazing, resilient, powerful, innovative black leaders, I think that was that was my awakening or introduction into the work that I'm doing today. And um, my academic journey kind of just, you know, through my practicum experiences led me into the work that I'm doing now even more so um, because I've I've done everything pretty much out of order, I would say. So when I was an undergrad, just for instance, I took a lot of, I, I started off freshman year, completed my whole freshman year as a business management major. I knew I always wanted to go into business, ownership. I wanted to be in leadership because I, I think I, I noticed those qualities and characteristics in myself um, at a young age. And then at the end of freshman year, after completing it, you know, I, I was I was feeling some type of a conviction in my heart and spirit that I was like, well, dang, you know, I, I've gotten the foundation for business, and but this isn't fully fulfilling. I have a heart for people. So what I did was I transferred to social work and minor day entrepreneurship. But um, in that, in social work, I my concentration was ex-offenders and reentry. And that was not something that was completely a norm. Um, the reason that I got exposed to it very transparently is because I was exposed to the hood. <laughs> I was exposed to the hood. I was as were we all, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I was exposed to um, local drug dealers, to be honest with you. And I met a, a few of them that really, after going to prison, you know, because they are making decisions based on environment, based on lack, based on you know survival. They are making decisions that are getting them caught up in the criminal justice system. And there were a few of them that I met that really wanted to change, that really wanted to get out of that lifestyle and and have a better quality of life and um, make a living and things like that. But they didn't know any other way, right, that was going to be able to give them the same amount of money. And so when I saw that, you know, I was like, well, I want to learn more about recidivism. I want to learn more about how do we eliminate the barriers for people who are returning home and be able to 
allow them to create a quality of life that will not have them breaking the law, right? And so I started to kind of chart a path in the social work department for that focus. And then that kind of had me taking classes out of out of order. So I took my 300 and 400 level classes before I took my 100 and 200 level classes. Uh, so I went. Flex. I like it. Not, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can pull that off. So that that's one of the big flexes. We dig it. <laughs> well, you know, it was by accident, but not by accident. Everything has purpose, right? Um, but it also makes so much sense, T, because I'm a big picture thinker and I work my way back from the big picture. And so when I look at how that worked out, how God allowed that to work out, what I thought was by accident was very much on purpose in the way that I work, right? I work from the big picture and my way back and that was what happened with the class. So that happened in undergrad and then also my practicum experience, I created this, I sought it out, I went out and found it. I ended up being for about eight months of my undergrad practicum, I'm going to do air quotes, unofficial probation officer. So by unofficial, you know, I didn't go to school to be a probation officer, but that was my practicum from the social work lens, right? So I came with a very different perspective on how to handle these folks. And it was misdemeanor courts. I held my own office visits, all of those things. And so it gave me a lot of experience. It gave me a lot of um, exposure to truly understand the basic principle of social work, which is empathy. And what empathy is at a very simple definition is the understanding of why people do what they do. So then how that connects to the work that I do now as a macro social worker, primarily dealing in economic development, business and entrepreneurship, when you think about what business is, basic principle is How do we get people to spend money based on their behaviors and things like that? That's identical to social work, right? So a lot of people don't realize how important a social worker is in business and economic development, all these kind of higher level, more macro types of professions. So I like to call social workers in these spaces, the army swift knife, you know, we are the secret sauce, right? Because we understand people. We understand how to how to how to influence people. We understand how to be more human centered in business, in law, in criminal justice and things like that. And so I understood my gifts. Right. And I understood my training and understood the intersectionality of social work and entrepreneurship economic development in the way that I believe God continues to show me how he's using me, which is to have massive impact by being a translator, right? I can I can understand and be at this high level of strategy and policy and systems and curriculums and all these things, things that people, decision makers are making, but still be in the in that room and at the table and really be the creator of those things with keeping the person in mind. Right. And that's the, that for me is how I came to be who I am and doing the work that I do. So I said a lot there, but (laughs) I love it. I'm here for it. I absolutely love it. So given your purview and your experience and, and where you sit, your vantage point, because one of the great things about being a giant is that you can see for miles, right? You have a perspective that other people don't. So are there any 
non-obvious traps that you would advise someone coming into the space or even your younger self, if you could go back and talk to the younger key. And I'll go first. For example, in the uh, digital marketing space, you know, I'm almost 20 years in and, you know, back when I graduated from high school, back way back in 2002, I just went online and Googled how to make money online. Right. And I got a lot of bad information that I didn't know was bad at the time because I had no one oriented me. I had no point of reference. It was just whatever it said. And as we all know, everything online is true. So I got a lot of bad information. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't have any direction when I first cut my teeth, which was part of my journey. And I'm not, and I'm thankful for those experiences. I'm not bitter, but I just wish someone would have taken the time to sit me down prior to making a lot of the flubs that I made. And so given, you know, where you sit at this point of your journey and this point in your career, are there any non-obvious traps that you would counsel people against? Mm, Yes, I think so. So, I mean, you said something, right? Like, I think it's, it's true for me as well. Seek out mentorship, right? You know, seek out people who are smarter than you. And I think that's something that I always did, but not always, actually. Let me just kind of journey back. I I have had to overcome independence, right? And sometimes when you're super independent, uber independent, you don't really ask for help. You don't ask for guidance. Even though I had people that came to me and gave me some guidance, but I wasn't always so receptive to to receiving it or hearing it. Um, and so that I think that that was more of a barrier for me early into my career. I had to learn how to receive help and guidance and things like that. But once I got to a point where I was able to receive the help, it put me on a track to always or getting more comfortable seeking out people that were smarter than me. And being in rooms where I had room to grow and not not be the smartest person, right? Because, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room all the time, you know, how are you growing? And, you know, life is a is a journey. It's an evolution. And we're supposed to be constantly evolving, becoming our better selves and becoming smarter, you know, gaining new skills and talents. And, and, and everybody at this point in my life, everybody's a teacher. So also not to judge a book by its cover, and that can mean a number of things, right? And don't just look at a person and think that they have nothing to of value to add to you, right? And don't just look at age as a source of wisdom, right? Anybody, younger, older, the same age as you can be a vessel of information, knowledge, guidance. It just depends on where you are in your journey and in the season. And if we're going to be open and receptive to hearing what they have to say, and maybe in the moment, and this is something that I've had to learn as well on my journey. I'm a person that doesn't always catch the lesson in the moment. Sometimes I gotta let I gotta let it marinate, and I'm a learn by doing kind of person. So I do think it's highly important to understand yourself, be very self aware, really spend some intentional time getting to know who you are, how you are, and how you show up because that matters. So knowing that I'm a person who learns by doing, and I don't always receive information in the moment, I like things to marinate, and then the learn by doing piece comes into play where if I'm talking to someone else or if I'm in a different situation, I am going to seek to understand what some a feedback somebody gave me so that I can understand why they said what they said, right? So that I can understand it for myself. And then I'll go back, right? But 
I didn't always used to go back and just let people know like, hey, what you said was right or not right because there was a lot of pride. So I will also say, let the pride go. You know, you cannot grow and you cannot become your best self when you're so prideful that you can't, you, nobody can tell you anything, right? And, and you can't ever be wrong. You know, uh, it is something to say about allowing ourselves to be humble. It is for our own good, right? And so I've learned these lessons, I, I would say, the hard way. But now I'm in that mode of just kind of being in those spaces because I am, I am so into growing and becoming my better self that even if I initially feel like a stick, a sting of like, oh, I'm rejecting this information. I don't look at the other person. I look at myself and under, try to understand like, why am I not able to receive this information? Is it because it's true? <laughs> and I'm not, and I don't want to tell myself the truth or is it because, you know, I just need to understand a little bit better. So I think when you go high level, when you go on the top of the mountain and you have that that um, bird's eye view of how everything is working, you can see the pieces at play and how they're all working together for the, the greater vision. And you can also see who was sent to you on purpose and who was not. And then it helps us to have better discernment for how to navigate the journey accordingly. I love that. I absolutely love that. And hats off to you. Let me give you your flowers now for having the self-awareness to not only acknowledge that, but also admit it. Because I think a lot of people know that about themselves, but they'll never tell anyone. Right? <laughs> and I, I, I was just as guilty of that as anyone. So that is some solid, solid advice for anyone at any stage of their journey. And I really appreciate you sharing that. This has been a riveting conversation with Super Connector Kiana Daniels. So we're going to take a short break to pay them bills. So we'll be back in just a moment. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So key, that was excellent. So another benefit of, you know, giant status is not only you get that bird eye view, but you get to shape the landscape, right? You actually get to move mountains and trees and all that good stuff. So talk a little bit more about the the macro work that you do and how you're using your giant status to shape the landscape. Uh, yeah. Well, and thank you also for for that acknowledgement. I'll, I'll say this before I get into the, ne the next piece. It hasn't always been easy to be honest about our blind spots and our shortcomings. So I appreciate you saying that. And um, it, just know that it's, this is growth right here. 
You are not alone. The struggle <laughs> is real. The struggle is very real. Right. Um, my pleasure. You are very welcome. <laughs> so, yes, like the macro work that I do, again, so this is, I'll, I'm going to preface it with this. I'm, I am a, a spiritual person, meaning that I believe in relationship over religion with my higher power, which is God, and, and I believe in Jesus, Holy Spirit. So for me, understanding why I was created is highly important. It's been very pivotal to the way that I can show up in the work that I'm supposed to do for other people, right? And so my contributions to this world are being able to use my platform, my influence, my education, my networks, um, my knowledge and expertise to eliminate barriers for the underserved, for the underrepresented populations, and to make sure that I can create bridges for that upper mobility and filling gaps. And so uh, having that knowledge really holds me accountable that when I'm in these spaces, I never forget what the vision is and what the assignment is. And so a lot of people can get caught up when things are going really well for you. You kind of can get caught up in, oh, like, this is good. I'm good. This is stable. Like, you know, um, and it becomes solely about yourself. But because I understand what my contribution is, it, it helps me to always remember that I need to hold space and create space for other people. And so I never, I try not to conform, right? Like I pride myself on not conforming in spaces where I am the only, right? And by the only, it could be the only woman. It could be on the only young person. It could be the only black person. It could be the only, all three of those combinations, right? And I actually look at it as an advantage to advocate for people that look like me who may not also have the education that I have, who may not also have the upbringing that I've had, who may not also have the resources that I have, because it is it is those people who need what we are talking about in the room the most. Right. And so it is so fulfilling, too. I am a person that recently I learned a lesson coming back to St. Louis in that I am not a person driven by profit, but I am a person driven by passion and purpose. And so if I'm not making impact for other people, none of what I'm doing matters. Right. And again, that's another standard for myself in in my professional life. And the more that I climb and the more that I excel, the more that I get awards and accolades, none of that matters if the people that I'm talking about is not reaping any of the benefits, right? And that is, for instance, like when I came back to Dayton, you know, helping to diversify um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem and making sure that it's more inclusive from, you know, the content that we have in curriculums and to the subject matter experts that come in to, to talk about and educate people, um, to the people who are on boards and in positions, like actual paid positions in institutions, right? Um, making sure that it is more of a safe space or inclusive place where people feel like they can show up their authentic self because that is a hard thing to do, but it's something that it is a courageous thing to do, but it's something that I think that if if people who look like me, black people did more of, we would excel so much more. And I know it's not always a it's not always accepted. However, if we did it collectively, you know, we could change the game. And so that's a number of ways that I like to use my gifts, if you will. 
um, and to encourage others. I, I love, I have, you know, God has shown me that part of my gifts also are like planting seeds and speaking life and motivating people and connecting people and um, making sure that people have access, most importantly, to the resources that can change their lives. That was excellent. So what I want to do now <clears throat> is I want to get a sort of uh, parental perspective from you, irrespective if you have children or not, because I'm a firm believer that you do not have to have kids to be someone's parent. You just have to pour into them. So if you pour into a young person, guess what? You're the parent. One of the things that I, I, I really love about you, something you've really helped me with, is that you you have put a lot of uh, structure and guardrails in my entrepreneurial journey. So just for a little bit of context, what, it's three years ago now? Mm. I entered the um, Early Risers cohort in Dayton, Ohio, and Key was one of my facilitators along with a wonderful lady by the name of Gail Francis Johnson. And so they introduced me to the Kaufman curriculum and, and just put a lot of, introduced me to a lot of systems and processes that I, I previously previously was not exposed to. And so, you know, we live in a world where a lot of young people, they want to be creators or influencers when they grow up. So if you go into that same third grade classroom, you ask a bunch of third graders, seven and eight year olds, what they want to be, you're going to hear IG model, YouTuber, gamer, that sort of thing. And the reason I like to highlight tiny giants like yourself is that whether or not they understand that, they actually are saying they want to be entrepreneurs. And there's a lot that comes with that that I don't think folks fully understand, like especially like young, because young, I have a 13-year-old. I have a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old as of this recording. All three of them want to be YouTubers, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> and so for people like myself, who have young people in my life who they want to be um, entrepreneurs, how would you coach me? How would you lead me? How would you guide me? Or how would you talk to my 13-year-old directly about what they need to understand about entrepreneurship and, and how that translates into the career path? Ooh, great question. Also, I just want to say that like, I love how you opened my mind up to think about <laughs> a parental perspective, not having children of my own. So uh, thank you for that. But yeah, I think, you know, a place that I would start is quite honestly understanding what it is that they want to do, right? I think we have to operate from a strength strengths-based perspective especially with African-Americans. And a lot of times, if we can encourage and inspire and motivate um, our youth to do, to really create a life and a business doing what they genuinely love to do and what they're gifted at naturally, I think it do, it makes the, the journey a little less challenging because they're not trying to do something that they have no skills in, right? Not that you cannot grow skills and learn skills, but a lot of times we don't even encourage our youth to do what they're good at naturally, right? Like we minimize that if we feel like it doesn't have the potential to make money. Right. So first and foremost, like I'm, I love getting to know people. I love the engagement process. And I find youth and young people <laughs> extremely fascinating, especially now the way their mind works 
because of everything that they're exposed to now. They're just a lot more articulate than we ever were at that age. So that's first and foremost. I start there, straight space. Secondly, I try to understand um, and get a lot more clear about what it is that they, like, what is their goal? You know, what is their dream? And I like to give youth and really black people space to dream and and dream without shooting the dream down while they're dreaming. A lot of times we do that. Say and, that. Say <laughs> that again. Amen. Say that. I mean, like we got to just give ourselves the opportunity to dream without shooting it down while we're dreaming because like what, like it's not a dream if we like already being like, but that'll never work. And, and that's by design and that's learned behavior, program behavior from systems and things like that. However, we have to allow ourselves to dream, to really envision what could be in a perfect world. And then if we if we know, because that's the incentive, right? Like that's the incentive for people to get started. If you know that and somebody pours into your dream and speaks life into your dream and lets you know like that can actually happen, then we have the buy-in and the, and the input from them. And a lot of times in entrepreneurship, especially when it comes to funding, we say, you know, we need you to have some skin in the game. But the only way a lot of times people can have skin in the game is if they know that their dream is attainable. And so we have to be we have to be very vigilant and I think intentional about saying, yeah, that's possible. Like there's literally anything is possible if you have the right resources, the right people, the right infrastructure, the right foundation. So that's the second part. Then I would go into, okay, well, what do you know about entrepreneurship on your own right now? What have you researched on your own? If and if it's the answer is none, you know, you just thought about it right now on the spot. Cool. Well, let me help you to just simply use a resource that you have before your fingertips. If you have a phone, if you have access to a library, which is to go Google some terms, right? Go Google, you know, entrepreneurship programs, go Google entrepreneurship or small business or business resources, right? Everything for me, when I'm talking to people, um, to really simplify things of how easy, I'm going to say easy, lightly, but how easy it is to just get access to information. It, it, It starts with a Google, a simple Google search, right? And a lot of people that I used to talk to, you know, running Early Risers Academy, they would think that they had the next million dollar idea and I never shot that down, but I would, I would challenge them or encourage them rather to say, well, what market research have you done? Right. You know, to, to see what else is out there. A lot of times people don't research. They don't just look, you know, they don't seek information and knowledge to see what is existing already. And then based on what it is that they want to do in entrepreneurship or business, how are they going to set themselves apart, right? How are they going to compete in that industry or that market? And so it really starts with just having that conversation. And then a lot for a lot of people, they need to be shown. So I'll go help them do the work, right? Because it's about meeting people where they are, um, especially kids, even though our kids are so advanced, you know, they might be able to teach us some things, <laughs> uh, if I'm honest. But if for me, T, it starts there. It starts small and starts simple and then build on there. Because I know that, you know, with the, all the information that I have in the industry of entrepreneurship and business and all the resources that I know about, it can be very overwhelming, especially when you're new to resources, right? If you've never had access to this level of knowledge and information, it can be very overwhelming because there is, an, there is a plethora of resources out there. 
it's overstimulating at this point because it's saturated, um, especially for startups, right? If you're just getting started. So I think it's really important to recognize that because a lot of times if a person is overstimulated and they are um, overwhelmed by something that can stop them in their tracks. And so I don't want that to happen. I'm all about eliminating barriers. So I like to, you know, engage with them, pay attention to verbals and nonverbals and really see like, am I overwhelming this person with this knowledge? If I am, let me slow down and let me take a step back and let me make sure that they're understanding what I'm saying by Sometimes, especially for youth and young adults, like repeat it back to me in your own words, what I just said. So I know that we're on the same page and that you understand the journey that we're on together right now. And then again, just building onto that, because I think for us, when you look back historically at the lack of access that African-Americans and brown people have had, when you give them information, we have to be very careful of how we do that. We have to be intentional about that because if the goal is to eliminate the barriers and to get them to economic prosperity, to close some of these gaps and to get them to access to the resources, we got to understand where they're coming from and meet them where they're at. And some people don't like to do that because it does take a lot of work sometimes, right? It means that we got to get out of our comfort zone just as much as they got to get out of their comfort zone. But if we really about making impact, that's what it requires. So that's where I would start and then, you know, keep adding on to there. Absolutely. I love that because one of the one of the things I've found, especially when I'm talking to my little people, is that when they talk about, you know, being creators, even if they don't use that language, they typically approach it from one of two lenses. They either approach it from the lens of celebrity or art. Right. I want to be the next Mr. Beast. I want to be TikTok famous. I want to be I want some form of Internet stardom or I'm artsy fartsy. I like to craft and I just want to do this artistic thing and be paid for it. And there's more to that. One of the one, one last thing and then I'll, uh, I'll let you on your way and I appreciate your time is that, you know, one of the things that I found and one of my points of frustration when it comes to entrepreneurship is that to your point especially for black and brown founders in this moment, as of this recording, the the, the ecosystem is very oversaturated. There, there's a lot of interest. There are a lot of programs, but the devil's in the details in so far as when you get to these things, they're like, oh, we, we like Lenovo, for example. I, I just got um, something from an email saying Lenovo is doing this partnership. They got this money for these black and brown founders. Then you look at it, you have to have revenue between a hundred thousand and a million dollars. And it's like, I ain't got that. (laughs) I don't have that yet. And so one of the things that um, you've really helped me with, and I wanted to thank you on air that you really helped me stay encouraged because it, it can be very, very disheartening when you go through, you go to who you're supposed to go to, you go through the proper channels, you seek the knowledge and you, and you go to the meetings, you do all of these things. And then for one reason or another, you get eliminated. And that can be very, very discouraging. And, and it eventually it teaches you it not it not it teaches you. It can condition you not to seek help, mm. which is counterproductive. Um, and you've always had a real gift for keeping people encouraged, pouring into them. 
uh, which is which is why when I you know decided to get back in the saddle and uh, start this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought of because I wanted to share this with the world. So this has been phenomenal. I appreciate your time. Nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. So Key, please tell people where to find you. Give us all the social media handles. Tell us about any projects you got going on, how people can retain your services. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, first and foremost, T, thank you. I just appreciate you for the opportunity to come on your podcast and for thinking of me first. And it, it means a lot. Thank you for letting me know how I've been able to impact you in a positive way, because that is the goal. Like, you know, I know that we need that, right? We need people need the encouragement, especially entrepreneurship, because as much as entrepreneurship is praised and encouraged and all of those things, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And that is the honest truth, right? And it is also very challenging because as much as people get into entrepreneurship to be their own boss, you also work a whole lot more. You are the one that it all falls on. You are the one getting the money. You are the one who are growing the business and building the infrastructure. And if you have staff and employees, you are the leader, right? And there are people who are looking to you. So other people's livelihood is in your hands. So I just commend you for staying the course, no matter how challenging it's been, because what, what you are creating, have created, and what you will ultimately be able to do with your other business is going to be so impactful. And a lot of times, as we've talked about, when it's, when you change in the game, yeah, you know, people talk a good game, but they don't always want to help you change the game because that means that they got to get uncomfortable. So I, if I can encourage people to stay the course because of that and just remind them like, hey, don't take this personal. It's a system thing. It's not a you thing. You know, I'm here to do that because we need to be reminded of that because if more of us believe that it was solely about us, just think of how many people would stop in their tracks of, you know, changing the world. Like, and we don't need that. We need change makers and justice pushers and all those other things. So I say that to say just thank you. And I still encourage you to keep going. Um, and, you know, the people who are supposed to help you are going to come at the right time. And when, when it when it happens and when it's supposed to happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go off. So your lips to God's ears. Amen. <laughs> In Jesus name. Okay. Uh, and so where people can find me, um, I am primarily on LinkedIn at Keanna Daniels. That is K-E-A-N-N-A-D-A-N-I-E-L-S. I also have a website, um, www.kmd empowerment.com for my consulting business, which, you know, right now God is working and that's going to be an evolution, but that's where I can be found right now. Another business that I have is Tears, Tides, and Transformation. It's a podcast about healing. Um, and that website is www.tearstidesandtransformation.com. Um, and we're also on Google and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, you know, I just encourage anybody who's thinking about doing entrepreneurship to try it out if you would like. I think you can try it and learn the lessons. Uh, if it's not for you, that's fine. Go back to work. That's absolutely okay. If it is for you, keep going and shooting for the stars and ask for help. Ask for help. Seek out the services that are out there. There are a lot of free things out there that can help uh, build foundation and get you to that next level. 
Um, there are a lot of great people out there who are genuinely wanting to help others get ahead. Um, definitely pray for discernment because not everybody's for you, but the people who are will help you and connect you. And honestly, I'm on a journey myself in entrepreneurship. I, I, I'm just going to briefly say this. I recently moved back to St. Louis about six months ago for a job and I quit that job because, you know, God told me that I was out of alignment and out of purpose. And so I'm going back full time into entrepreneurship myself. You know, things are, things are evolving and I'm evolving and I am just, you know, being present and going along for the journey and exciting things are coming. So just stay tuned. And thank you for the opportunity, T. My pleasure. And thank you. And so there you have it, folks. This has been a great, great conversation. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me. And I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.